thankful living. And my, the intent of my message is to summarize everything that we have talked about over the last three weeks and hopefully to synthesize uh, all the material so that we can uh, be enabled to actually apply it in our lives. And so my message is entitled simply, How to Live uh, Thankfully. So the outline was something that I had seen in a, uh, an online article that I was reading, and so I've adapted it here for our purposes this morning. And I believe that God would encourage us and that this message will hopefully propel us uh, into the Word and to understand how we can apply all of the things that we have uh, uh, heard the last few weeks and actually live on a daily basis, uh, thankfully. As we've said, you know, this week is Thanksgiving, and uh, it's a time when people think about being thankful, but God wants us to live thankfully every day of our life, and these principles are meant to enable us and encourage us in how we can do that. Roberta had sent me an article uh, last week, uh, I think right after service, so last Saturday night, and it talked about uh, the positive effects of gratitude, and it contained uh, the results of uh, research that had been done. It actually, my mind and my studies were drawn to a lot of different research on this topic of gratitude. So in this article that Roberta sent me, it said that Research indicates the physical effects of gratitude uh, are more tangible than people would have thought. He said, focusing on the positive and feeling grateful can improve these things. It can improve your sleep quality. Who needs better sleep? Being grateful. Okay? And it can reduce feelings of anxiety and depression. It also said, this study said that levels of gratitude correlate to better mood, less fatigue, anyone tired all the time? Gratefulness may help that. And less inflammation, whether you know it or not, you're probably struggling with inflammation. It's a common thing here in America culture, unfortunately. It also reduces the heart, the risk of heart failure, failure even for those who are susceptible. In other words, if it's something that they say it's part of your family. Gratefulness can help reduce the risk. And the uh, research also concluded by saying that it affects the brain function on a chemical level that promotes feelings of self-worth and then compassion for others. So I thought that was pretty cool. So if for no other reason to be grateful, uh, you can benefit from it. You can uh, be less fatigued. You can get better sleep. You can uh, not be as anxious about things by practicing and living a thankful life. So we're going to start with a passage from Colossians 3, verses 14 through 17. And Rav Shaul says to the Kehilah here at Coloss, Above all these things, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together perfectly. And let the shalom which comes from the Messiah be your heart's decision maker. For this is why you were called to be part of a single body and be thankful. Let the word of the Messiah in all its richness live in you as you teach and counsel each other in all wisdom, and you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude to God in your hearts. That is everything you do or say, do in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to him to God the Father. 
So three times in three verses, Rav Shaul mentions gratitude or thankfulness. Verse 15, be thankful. Verse 16, with gratitude. Verse 17, giving thanks. So this is supposed to be something that we do, and especially verse 17 says, everything you do or say. So again, it's not just for November, the fourth Thursday of the month, when we have a day of Thanksgiving, but it's supposed to be something that we cultivate and we live in every day of our life. So this passage tells us that uh, thankfulness is to be a part of our regular life, and we know that thankfulness is the opposite of things like grumbling and complaining, not that we do that here, right? Uh, Any selfishness or those, you know, because our nature tends to gravitate towards those things, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. You know, that attitude that, you know, uh, we really have it bad and things should be better for me and uh, all these other things. Well, the antidote to that is gratitude. And so we want to develop that heart within us. So the first way we can do this in our daily life is to think thankfully. Think thankfully. And so there are a couple areas where we can practice thinking thankfully. And one is in the area of prayer. Rav Shaul says to the Kehilah at Philippi in chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with what? With thanksgiving, present your request to God. So thinking thankfully as we're going to prayer. So how does that happen? Well, it's very, very simple. So you come to prayer, and you say, God, and we sung it today, you know, we love you, Yeshua, we love you, right? You are the one that my heart adores. So God, I love you. I worship you. You are a good God. I am grateful for all that you have given to me in my life. You have given me a wonderful home to live in. You have blessed me with a a, a beautiful family. Uh, You have given me food to eat. Thank you so much for what you have done. Thank you for your word that encourages me, God. And I thank you for the word that tells me that by your stripes I have been healed. And so, God, I come to you, and I ask you, Lord, to bring healing into my body. So see how we approach prayer with gratefulness? So often people come to prayer with this laundry list, and they just want to go through this list. God, take care of this, and God, do this, and God, do this, and God, do this, and God, do this. And God wants to do that because that's his heart towards us. You understand? He's a heavenly father. And as a father, he is good. Let me say that again. As a father, he is good. Okay? And I know sometimes earthly fathers have not been that way, but our heavenly father is good, always has been, and always will be. So he wants to do good things for us. But we are encouraged that when we come and we make those petitions known to him and we say, God, can you take care of this situation? God, can you heal me? God, can you provide for this? God, can you do this? That we do it with thankfulness. And it's, again, a very simple thing. Just start by focusing on what he has already done in your life. Right? Remember the good deeds of the Lord. We are encouraged in the Psalms often. So we just remember and thank God for what he did. And often we find ourselves in similar situations as in the past. God, you know, as you delivered our people at Hanukkah time, as you delivered our people at Purim time, I'm thinking of the holidays because I have a committee meeting. (laughs) It's a holiday plan. So today, God, 
I thank you for that deliverance, that you have sustained us as a people, that you have protected Israel. So, God, we prayed on Thursday night for, the, for Israel. Half of our time was spent praying for Israel because of all that is going there. So when I come to pray for Israel, I can come with gratitude and thankfulness to God, saying, God, you have always stood by your word. You said that you are the watcher and keeper of Israel. And I thank you that you have sustained our people and this nation against all odds. And so I come and ask you today, God, in 2019, that you would protect the land. So we see how we bring gratitude and thankfulness into our prayer. So that's one way to think thankfully, to think in our minds as we come to prayer. The other area is the area that we spent already half of our service doing. That is worship. Right here in this passage in Colossians 3, 16, Rav Shaul says, Let the word of the Messiah in all its richness live in you as you teach and counsel each other in all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude to God in your hearts. It's important that we don't just go through the motions, and it is easy to do that, or that we don't get distracted by things. That's often my issue. I have to confess today my mind kept wanting to take me <laughs> to a lot of other responsibilities I have today, tonight, this weekend, a lot of things going on, and I had to keep bringing my thoughts back to the moment of worship. And in that moment, giving thanks to God for who he is. So it is so easy, even in worship, uh, to just be on like automatic pilot and go through the motions. Or, again, you're here and you're raising your hand and you're saying the words, but your mind, your thoughts are elsewhere. So, again, my mind was about other things. I have to meet with this and I have to do that and I have to check the Hanukkah, all these things. So I had to take my thoughts and bring them back to worship. And I was conscious of being thankful to who God is in my life as we sang to him today, as we danced, as we lifted our hands. So it's a conscious effort that we have to make because our thoughts don't automatically go there to thankfulness in any area of our life. That's why Adonai tells us in the scriptures to take captive every thought to the obedience of who Messiah is, because our thoughts can tend to, to wander where they shouldn't be. And I don't mean wander to bad things. Again, my thoughts were just on practical things that I have to do. But that's not where they needed to be this morning in worship. They needed to be focused on God. And it was a struggle throughout the whole worship to keep bringing it back in, keep bringing it back in. So that's a conscious effort that we need to make to think thankfully in the midst of worship and to keep ourselves focused on God. And the other area we know the scripture so well is Philippians 4, 8, to keep dwelling on the good, whether in worship, whether in prayer, whether at work, whether at school, whether in your home. Rob Shul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Friends, the negative is always the loudest thing in the room. Do you ever notice that? That which is negative in your life is always magnified and it always cries out the loudest. So again, to live thankfully, 
I think we use this word in the Wednesday night study about another area of applying the word, but it, it, it works here too. We have to be intentional because the negative will always cry out. And so that's why Rav Shaul's, Shaul says, these are the things you need to choose to think about. So you need to ask yourself this question, do you see the glass half empty or do you see the glass half full? It makes a difference in our lives and Rav Shaul is encouraging us to see it half full. I told you I was drawn to a lot of different articles on research, so research, <laughs> on this topic here has found that seeing the glass half full not only makes you happier, it also increases your potential to be successful in life and whatever you do. So this research in particular uh, followed a group of uh, law students uh, for 10 years after their graduation. And it found that the students who were more optimistic, again positive, grateful thinking, earned an average of $32,000 more than the law students who were pessimistic and who focused on negative things. So Rob Shaul is basically saying, don't focus on those negative things. See the glass half full. See the good things that are in your life. Friends, all of us have negative things or, or bad things that are happening, struggles that we might be facing, and we, it is easy to focus on those things, but we have to make a choice. Again, be intentional to choose to focus on what is good in our life. And that's basically what Rob Shaul is saying. Your mind, you can train to think about the good things. Think about everything in your life that is good. Expecting good things to happen will lead us to taking actions that will produce positive results in our life. And expecting bad things to come our way will keep us, the article went on to say, from doing the very things that might have minimized or avoided those things from happening. So what we think is very important. Remember what God says in his word, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what are you thinking? Is it always negative, negative, or are you thinking positive, and not just this, I'm not meaning positive thinking, but thinking about God's goodness, focusing on, focusing on being thankful and grateful for what he has done. The second area of practically living out a thankful life is talking thankfully. So we're going to think thankfully, we want to talk thankfully. So Rabbi Michael encouraged us on this topic a little bit in prayer on Thursday night, because at the end of the, the time, he asked us to walk through this sanctuary and make declarations with our mouth, so our talking. And he said, make declarations of what you want to see God do in your life personally in the congregation. He shared how he had watched a video of a, of a man who was not a, a believer necessarily, and this man was sharing that, that the things that you speak are the things that become your reality. The things that you speak are the things that become your reality. God put it this way, there's the power of life and death in your tongue. So are you going to speak life over that situation, or are you going to speak death? Easy choice? I say speak life, life, life. Easy to say, but not so easy to do when we're in the midst of that circumstance. So we need to talk thankfully. 
and talking thankfully in a couple of different areas. And the first area is talking thankfully over other people. In other words, praising other people. When was the last time you told your spouse, I'm really thankful that I'm married to you? Do you tell them that you appreciate them? Do you thank your wife or your husband for cooking dinner, doing the laundry? My husband doesn't do laundry. And I thank you that you don't. No. <laughs> uh, he does cook, though. He cooks a lot. And I do thank you for that. Um, when was the last time you said thank you for someone getting up and getting you that glass of water, right? When was the last time that uh, you think, you know, that person at work who came in and brought you a coffee, right? Everyday things that happen that we take for granted and we just don't thank people for them. So talking thankfully means showing appreciation to other people in our life. And I have a story that I, I read in an article, and it's a pretty long story, but it's powerful about the importance of our words in encouraging other people and the impact that it can have on their life. So this uh, is about a supervisor at a large software company who heard a message on being grateful and expressing gratitude to people in your life. And so he wrote this letter to the speaker after hearing that message and actually applying what the speaker said. He says, I have nine software engineers working for me for a long time. I haven't seen all but one of them face to face in almost nine months, and we all work together in the same building. We just do everything over email and instant messenger. It's just easier. We hate meetings. And he goes on to say, it's been years since HR, human resources, lets me tell anybody that they are good at anything. He says, I can't even tell them that. He said, so I'm going to do what you said face to face, give them two reasons why I think you are wonderful, and I will tell you what happens. So the man goes and does that, and then he sends the speaker an email. And the speaker says, I'll never forget the email subject line. It was Xbox story, and here is the story. He said, I went around to the cubicles, and I met all nine of my folks, and I put my arm around them, and I told them the two reasons that I admired them. Because you've got a good team. And he said that a couple of days later, one of my engineers, we'll call him Lenny, comes up to me with this poorly wrapped but well-intended gift, the greatest gift a man could get in August, an Xbox and a copy of John Madden 2004. And I looked at Lenny, who I hadn't given a raise to and I don't know how long, and I said, Dude, this is the guy speaking, <laughs> where did you get the money? And he looked back at me and he said the one phrase you never want to hear as a manager who has ignored your people. He looked me in the eye and he said, I sold my nine millimeter. And he was like, what? And then he said, you never asked me about my personal life the entire time I've worked here. So why don't I tell you I moved here from Denver because my mom died. She was my only friend when I was going to college. I was totally alone. I thought I would move to Seattle and start over again at a big company. I have never made a friend at this company, and if I died, I think payroll would tell you. I got depressed, so I'm online all the time, so what do you do if you're good? With a hammer, 
being online, everything is a nail, right? So I went online and I searched dead mom solution and guess what I found? I found about 100 suicide chat rooms in multiple languages and they begin to coach me on what they call the final solution. So I took a paycheck and I went and bought a beautiful chrome-plated 9mm automatic and a box of bullets. He said, I begin to practice every day for the last six months. I would go home, I would put on Kurt Cobain, and I would eat top uh, ramen, and I would get the cigar box out with a gun, and I would get used to pulling the bullets, putting the bullets in, and setting it on the top of my mouth and talking to my mom, saying, I'm coming home. And for the last two weeks, I took the safety off. Dude, I was so close. And then the other day, you freaked me out. Man, you see, you came into my cubicle. I don't even know you. You put your arm around me, and you told me that I was funny over email, which was hard to do. And you told me that I turn in every project a day early, and that helps you sleep at night. And then you told me, you said, Lenny, I am glad you came into my life. He said, I went home that night, top ramen, and when I got the cigar box out and popped the top off, the light reflected on the chrome and the halts and the, and the hairs in the back of my head stood up and I was afraid. And I said out loud the words that saved my life. I am glad you came into my life, Lenny. He said, I got up the next day and went to the pawn shop and I said, I gave you $1,000 for this gun. What are you going to give me? They said, we'll give you 250 He says, with that newfound wealth, I said, what am I going to do? I realized that for months you had been complaining loudly on email and over Messenger that your financial controller, a.k.a. your wife, would not let you purchase an Xbox operating system because you've got a new baby. So I went and got this gift to you. It's my gift for my life, the gift that you have given to me. Wow. Wow. When I read that story, I said, the power of our words in other people's lives. The power of our words in other people's lives. We need to talk thankfully and gratefully for the people in our life. And unfortunately, we are often too busy, okay, and that we don't even take the time. So this man worked with these people, and for nine months he hadn't even seen them, and they, they are co- co-workers. So he made an effort based on a message he heard to go and do something and meet them face to face. I was thinking, he could have even sent, in those nine months, he didn't even send them a message to say thank you, right? So I was just really encouraged that talking thankfully means you and I need to take time, to take time out of our busy lives to express Thank you to that person sitting beside you. Thank you to that coworker. Thank you to the boss. Thank you to the person in front of you, to the person across the aisle. I reflected on how many times Rav Shaul started his letters with these words, I thank God for you. Looking at Philippians 1.3, he said, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. 1 Corinthians 1.4, I give thanks to my God always for you. 
Thessalonians 1, 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mention you in our prayers. Colossians 1, 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, when we pray for you. And Ephesians 1, 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I don't cease to give thanks. So he was giving thanks in his prayers, so he was talking to God about them, but here he's writing these letters, and he's letting these people know that he is thankful for them. He is talking via a letter to these people to express gratitude for them. This is how we can live thankful. I want to challenge us. Every day of our lives, we should find one person to express gratitude to. Think about the difference that could make in a person's life. This was an extreme story, but I'm telling you there are a lot of people out there who are feeling alone, who are feeling down, not just people who are alone. This man was single. There are many people who have a family that are still struggling. And one word, saying, I'm glad you're in my life, can make such a big difference. So I want to challenge us to think about Applying this message by every day looking for someone to express gratitude to. Face to face, you might be like Rob Shaul and write a little note and pop it in the mail. The mail still works today, <laughs> even though we have email. You can still put a letter in the, in the mailbox, right? Think about that. And the other way that we talk, thankfully, is, of course, through praising God, thanking God, and it goes back to something I already shared, for what we do have in our lives. Years ago, we talked about keeping a gratitude journal when we did a series on Thanksgiving uh, many, many moons ago, and we even gave out these little notebooks for those who were here and encouraged people uh, to end their day writing down three things in that day that they were uh, thankful for. Rob Shul here in this passage or in, uh, uh, says that in everything you do or say, do in the name of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So again, taking that time to thank God throughout our day. But often we get frustrated. Thank you, God, for the car that I'm driving to work today. Often we get mad about the car. I've been guilty of, of that. You know, oh, this car, it, you know, Instead of saying, thank you, I have a car that I can drive today. Thank you for this washing machine that I could do laundry in. But often we complain, oh, I have laundry to do. Instead of thinking about, I, have a, I had to get a new washing machine a few years ago. So it, the new ones don't have the agitator inside, which is so great because I could put more clothes in it. It's like, hey, I get to do a larger load of laundry. I remember growing up, and when I go to visit my grandmother, my grandmother had one of those old washing machines that, you know, it had two tubs. So on one side, she had the washing board, she scrubbed it, and then she had the little roller thing that you fed it through to the other side. So it was fascinating. I loved doing that as a kid because yeah, I mean, it was only it was a novelty, right? I wouldn't like doing that today <laughs> with my laundry. So uh, thank you, God, for a laundry machine to do laundry in, right? Think about all these little things that are part of our life that God has given to us. 
that we can thank him for. Everything that we do in life, Rav Shaul is telling us, should be filled with gratitude towards God. Yet often we complain about the car, about the job, about the family. Because as I said earlier, the negative is always the loudest thing. It's always the thing that is magnified in, in our mouths, in our mouths and in our minds. And it's a challenge for us to take and change the way our mind thinks and therefore the way our words come out of our mouth, what we speak. So God wants us to live thankfully and how we can do that, one thing is to change what comes out of our mouth. And let it be gratitude and thankfulness, appreciation, focusing on the good things that are in our life. Working with the youth uh, for all these years that we have, we always have this, this rule that started years, years ago. If they said one ne negative thing, particularly about someone else in the youth group, they had to come up with five positive things. This just happened last week at our pizza night. One person said, I said, up, there's a new person. I said, five positive things. That's that's a rule of our youth group here. But it gets ourselves trained. And all of us could maybe practice that rule in our lives. When you find yourself complaining, oh, I have to do laundry again. Thank you, God, that I have a washing machine that I can do this laundry in. Thank you that I have clothes that I have to wash. Hello? Some people don't have as many clothes as some of us have. Right? Thank you, God. I saw you point at your wife. <laughs> Lots of clothes. So take a moment. This is another challenge to you. I have several challenges throughout this message. Take a moment and think of that one situation or maybe that one person that this past week you have been complaining about and make a commitment that for the next week you're going to be grateful for that situation or that person, and you're going to express that gratitude to them. And finally, the last area is to act thankfully. How can we act thankfully? Well, the first area is to serve. Serving is a demonstration of appreciation, respect, and love, and it can be done uh, in, a, uh, in a selfish, ungrateful way, which is not good, but when it's done right, it is a blessing both to the server and to the one being served. In other words, again, it's easy to do all of these things, to go through the motions. So you could serve but have a bad attitude, right? Then you have negated your service. And so God wants us to act thankfully by having a heart of service. First Timothy 1.12, Rav Shaul says, And I thank the one who has given me strength, the Messiah Yeshua our Lord, that he considered me trustworthy enough to put me in his service. Think of the many examples in scriptures of people who served others. I thought of Yosef. We're getting ready to come up to his story here in the, uh, in the book of Bereshit. He served his masters. We talked a little bit about this. He came up even on Wednesday night. He served uh, uh, Potiphar first. He served the uh, jail masters that they raised him up to be over them. So he had someone there. And then he served Pharaoh. And we don't see him ever complaining about that. So he had a heart to serve and to serve righteously. Think about also uh, King David, who served King Shaul, even though Shaul wanted to, you know, 
cut them off. David stayed faithful, right? And other people in, in scriptures, Joshua served Moshe, and he did it with a good heart attitude. You never see Joshua complaining. In fact, you see the opposite. Joshua and Caleb are the only two people from that generation who made it into the promised land. That tells you the character of Joshua, and he was able to serve Moshe. So acting thankfully means we are prepared to serve. Rav Shaul says, Philippians 2.14, do everything without kefetching or arguing. Stop kefetching. Stop complaining. Another research article. Told you a lot of it. So this article was about what happens when we complain. And it said that most people complain once a minute during a typical day. Okay, now I didn't take the time to figure that out. So there's once a minute, so there are 60 minutes in an hour, so that's 60 times, and there are 24 hours in a day, so 24 times 60, let's do that really quick, that is 1440. 1,440 times a day we complain. Oh my goodness, think about that. That's a lot of complaining. So this is what this research says. Your brain loves efficiency and doesn't like to work any harder than it has to. So when you repeat a behavior such as complaining, your neurons branch out to each other to ease the flow of information. This makes it easier to repeat the behavior in the future, so easy, in fact, that you might not even realize you're doing it. In other words, the more you complain, the easier your brain does it. And the article goes on and says, don't blame your brain. Who would want to build a temporary bridge every time you need to cross a river? It makes a lot more sense to construct a permanent bridge. And so that's what happens. Your neurons grow closer together, and the connections between them become more permanent. Abigail's been studying a little bit on the brain, so I understand a little bit of what this is talking about. Some scientists like to describe this process as neurons that fire together, wire together. So it goes on to say, repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. So over time, you find it easier to be negative than it is to be positive, regardless of what's happening around you. Complaining becomes your default behavior, which changes how people perceive you. So you see what it's saying? That you have trained your brain to complain, even in good things happening in your life, because those neurons have fired off together, now they're connected, so that complaining becomes the natural habit. And the research says that most people, and I'm just gonna let you know that that means probably everyone here in this room, <laughs> just saying that we probably fall into that category. So most of us complain 1,440 times a day. Wow. And Here's the kicker, the article said, complaining actually damages other areas of your brain. Research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, which is an area of the brain that's critical to problem solving and intelligent thought. Hmm, okay. That might, 
I wasn't going to say it. She did. Explains that. That gives this revelation why some of us, not saying it. Ray Lynn said it, not me. Uh, listen, the article goes on to say, while it's not an exaggeration to say that complaining leads to brain damage, it doesn't stop there. When you complain, your body releases the stress hormone cortisol, and cortisol shifts you into flight or fight mode, directing oxygen, blood, and energy away from everything but the systems that are essential to immediate survival. So one effect of cortisol, for example, is to raise your blood pressure and blood sugar so that you'll be prepared to either escape or defend yourself. So when you complain, you're releasing that chemical in your body. And so all this extra cortisol released by frequent complaining impact your immune system and makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. It even makes the brain more vulnerable to strokes. Why in the world do we want to complain? You know, that list is like a list of those medicines, you know, on the, t on the commercials. Take this medicine, and then they read real quick at the end, and the psychology behind this, again, Abigail from school told me they always have the, the most beautiful scene in the picture there as they're going, this will cause da-da-da-da-da-da-da and sudden death. It's like, hello, sudden death, right? So this list here reminds me of this. Why would we want to experience these in our lives? And yet we complain, and by complaining, this is what we are doing to ourselves. It's a spiritual principle, first of all. So that in and of itself should make me want to not complain. But when I read this research and see the impact, and don't you think God knew that, P.S.? Uh, right. Since he created us, it should make me want to say, I'm not going to be a complainer. I'm going to change the way I live my life. I'm going to live thankfully, and not just on the fourth Thursday of the month of November. So this article, I just want to complete this, and then we have one other point. This article went on to say there are two things you can do when you feel the need to complain. One is to cultivate the attitude of gratitude, which is what this whole series has been about. And that is when you feel like complaining, shift your attention to something that you're grateful for. Taking time to contemplate what you're grateful for isn't merely the right thing to do. It reduces the stress hormone cortisol by 23%. Research conducted at the University of California found that people who worked daily to cultivate an attitude of gratitude experienced improved mood and energy and substantially less anxiety due to lower cortisol levels. Anytime you experience negative or pessimistic thoughts, use this as a cue to shift your gears and to think about something positive. And in time, a positive attitude of gratitude will become a way of life. I can tell you this, I know from speaking to different counselors and things, you can only have one thought in your head at a time. So we get to choose. So when that negative thought comes in, what this article and research is saying, replace that thought with a good thought, with a thought of gratitude. And finally, to act thankfully, we can do that by sacrificing. Giving not just of our finances, but of our time and of our effort. And I have a story about Dawson Trotman, who was the founder of the organization Navigators. Navigators is a uh, spiritual organization that uh, over the years has done a lot to train people and disciple them. So he was on an overseas trip, and he was hiking with a Taiwanese pastor 
back to one of their mountain villages to meet with some of the national believers. And the roads and trails were wet, and their shoes became very, very muddy. And later someone asked this Taiwanese leader, what did he remember most about Dawson Trotman? And he said, without hesitation, he cleaned my shoes. Because he woke up the next morning and he was surprised to see that his shoes were clean and he realized that this prominent leader from America had risen before him and cleaned the mud from his shoes. This man, Dawson Trotman, he's deceased now, lived that life. In fact, how he lost his life was he sought to save one, someone else who was drowning and in that process you know, died but he was willing to sacrifice himself for others. That's acting, thankfully, to live a life of sacrifice. So we need to be willing to share of ourself in that area of sacrifice. Yeshua, of course, is the greatest example of sacrificing of service. He said the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The ultimate, ultimate picture of service and sacrifice is found in Yeshua, and we are called to em emulate him in what we do. So I want to encourage you that God wants us to act thankfully, and there was one last area, and that was the area of sharing our faith. Tehillim 105.1 says, Give thanks to Adonai, call on his name, make his deeds known among the peoples. That's something you and I can do in our actions. Rav Shaul says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, we are ambassadors of Messiah. In effect, God is making his appeal through us. What we do is appeal on behalf of the Messiah. And then in Mark 16.15, Yeshua said to them, As you go into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. So another way that we can act thankfully is to share the good news of Yeshua and the goodness of God to those around us that we find and meet every day of our lives. So as I close, there were three steps from one of the articles that I wanted to share that we could take besides the other challenges I've already given you. The first is to keep a daily journal, something that we had done a few years ago, of things that you are grateful for, listing at least three things. And the best time it said to do this is usually in the morning as your day begins or at night before you fall asleep. Three things every day. Second is to make it a point to tell people in your life what you appreciate about them on a daily basis, something I already encourage you to do. Every day look for someone that you can say thank you, even if it's just thank you for being here. And third, it said when you look into the mirror, and this is very important for many of you, give yourself a moment to think about the quality you like about yourself or something that you have recently accomplished and to meditate on that because often we struggle with being grateful for ourselves and we need to do that. So let's close in prayer here. Let's learn to live thankfully every day of our lives. Amen. God, we thank you for this message. We thank you for your goodness to us. And God, we hear your encouragement. We see what your word tells us about thankful living. And you have encouraged us today about how to practically apply that. So I pray for each one of us that as we leave from this uh, sanctuary today that we would 
be doers of your word. Help us to every day choose to apply these principles uh, to think, to talk, uh, and to act, thankfully, God, uh, and that we would see a difference in our life on a spiritual level and on a practical level. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Let's rise to our feet. I'm going to close with the ironic benediction. And then I'm going to ask my prayer team to come up. If you need prayer for anything, we are here available uh, to join with you in the prayer of agreement. He's a good God, as I said, and he delights to answer our prayer. So uh, if my team could come forward, and I will join them in a minute. And uh, if you need prayer again, come uh, in a few minutes. If you would like to be part of the committee going into 2020 for the to planning of the ONEGs, you can join us up on the mezzanine. Yevarecha Adonai v'yishmerecha, yaser Adonai panavelecha v'kuneka, yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasim lecha shalom. May the peace of God Almighty rest upon you. May he go before you. May you experience his love and his graciousness every day of your life. B'shem Yeshua. Amen. God bless you. Shabbat Shalom. Have a great Shabbat. We'll see you Wednesday night. And uh, if you need prayer, come on down. <laughs>